Hands of My Podcast is a proud member of DarkCast Network, presenting the brightest of indie podcasts. Hey to all my seasoned and newbie listeners. March has been claimed on my podcast to be the month of matrimony mayhem because I'm getting married. That's right. So for the rest of March will be the podcast takeovers from the Dark Cast Network community of indie podcasts. I have handpicked some fucking fantastic podcasts and their hosts. Isn't that they're saying something old, something new, something borrowed, and something blue? Anyways, I started off with Beyond the Rainbow, aka Rainbow Crimes, is a show about crimes committed by and against the LGBTQ community. Hosted by CJ, goes by pronouns she, her. She has been a fan of true crime stories for a long time, but have only discovered true crime podcasts within the last three years. So, join CJ for an array of true crime stories from all over the world, especially lesser known cases. And I love her tagline. Remember, it's not a crime to be gay, unless you're a murderer. Hey there, this is my disclaimer. Beyond the Rainbow is a true crime podcast. It's not suitable for children. And it might not be suitable for some adults either. I have a filthy mouth. I had to get it. It was on sale and it matched my filthy mind perfectly. Don't say I didn't warn you. Hey there, Rainbow Warriors. You're listening to Beyond the Rainbow, True Crimes of the LGBTQ+. I'm your host, CJ, and co-founder of DarkCast Network, where you can find 20 of the most awesome shows ever. We have a DarkCast website, and I'll put the link in the show notes. On the website are little introductory videos of each show on the network. This way you can read up on them and decide who to listen to first. Beyond the Rainbow is a one-woman researched, written, recorded, and edited production. Why? Because I'm a badass! And should you feel so compelled to be a badass too? I have a Buy Me a Coffee slash Rainbow Crimes account. Because coffee is my liquid addiction. So please help me support my habit. I'm on all the social medias, which technically makes me a social butterfly of sorts, I guess. Find me on Facebook at Beyond the Rainbow. And just about everywhere else as Rainbow Crimes. Plus, be sure to check out my website at beyondtherainbowpodcast.com. It's March! Happy Women's History Month, everyone! My friend Courtney of a Nefarious Nightmare podcast, she sent me a link to a show she was on called Bite Sexual on YouTube. Courtney lives in Texas and she was on with the host Jalene and another guest. They were talking about Texas's governor, Greg Abbott, and how he's been issuing demands of the people that live there. Now, I've honestly always tried to keep my head out of politics. I've always been so bored by it, and I've hated it with a passion. I only started to wake up about politics, I guess in 2017, 
when our LGBTQ plus was being attacked by our then president orange dude. Since then, I've been paying a little more attention. And right now, all I can do is shake my head. Texas! My Texas! What the ever-loving fuck is your government trying to do there? Reporting parents who encourage or support their possibly trans children? And now parents are living in fear of having their children taken away from them just because they're letting their kids live their truths. This is what the Texas governor, Greg Abbott, wants to do. He wants parents of trans children to be reported for child abuse. Greg Abbott, the Republican governor of Texas, has he never heard of gender dysphoria? You know, I I might joke around and say, yeah, I get it. I too was born in the wrong body. I was supposed to be born in Angelina Jolie's body, not Melissa McCarthy's. But gender dysphoria is real. And I know I throw around that phrase an awful lot, but I've been reading more and more to better understand it. Gender dysphoria is considered a condition. Factors that influence the development of dysphoria could include genetic influences, hormonal balances or imbalances, and environmental conditions. Studies have shown there's even a possible correlation between trauma and gender dysphoria for some people. And then the Texas governor wants to add even more trauma to trans kids by taking them from their parents. Their parents who love them for who they are. There is something very wrong with this. I've always loved Texas, and I'd even wanted to move there until my fear of snakes told me nope. And now I'm hearing friends who live there say they want to get the fuck out just because the politics there has gotten so bad. But let's talk a little bit more about gender dysphoria. If a child seems to be suffering from symptoms of this condition, they're feeling uncomfortable or distressed within their own body. Or maybe they refuse to wear what societal norms has deemed as boy or girl appropriate clothes. Clothes that match the child's assigned birth gender. Or maybe a child is simply insisting they're the opposite gender from what was assigned to them at birth. This doesn't mean that a parent has to hurry up and get them gender reassignment surgery or even hormone therapy. A loving parent will support their child through their feelings. They'll allow them to be able to express themselves through the toys they play with, right down to the clothes they wear no matter what gender society has placed on things. Maybe an assigned female at birth doesn't want to be called by what her parents named her. Maybe that child doesn't feel like a Sarah, but more of a Brian. Supportive parents go with that for the sake of their child's happiness. How the fuck is that child abuse? If an assigned boy at birth is eight years old, 
and wants to wear a pink dress because they feel pretty in it, they should be allowed to do so. At least at home to start. So they don't have to feel the cruelty or repercussion of small-minded peers. The public school system doesn't do a whole hell of a lot to protect kids who want to live their truth. And I know I'm veering away a little bit from the subject of gender dysphoria, but please hear me out. Thinking about an eight-year-old who was assigned a boy at birth wanting to wear a pink dress to school because they felt pretty in it, you know that poor kid would probably get bullied and picked on. And it makes me think back to my episode on kids who took their own lives because of trying to live their truth. These kids were being picked on and made to feel less than human. In particular, I was thinking of nine-year-old Jamel Miles of Colorado. He was such a happy kid, especially the summer before starting fourth grade. Jamel figured out he was gay, and he could hardly wait until school started again so he could go and tell his friends. Jamel told his mom, and his mom was supportive, and told him, Okay, I love you no matter who you are, because you're my son. When school started again, Jamel went and told his classmates he was gay only to be tormented and ridiculed for living his truth the best he knew how. Jamel took his own life not long after coming out at school. Kids are cruel because they learn to be from their peers and adults in their lives. Had the children been accepting of Jamel, he most likely would still be here today with his mom and his two sisters who loved him very much. If children were taught by everyone, the clothes you wear doesn't make the person you are. If you were assigned male at birth and you feel pretty in that yellow sundress, fucking wear it. If you were assigned female at birth and you want to play with plastic army men and footballs, go for it. All of our kids would be able to discover their self-identity the way they're supposed to without being picked on, without being bullied, without a government trying to tell us who we should be. That's how we should be raising our children, all of them, and providing love and support for them no matter what. Children who have gender dysphoria will often grow out of it by puberty. This is what statistics tell us. Surprisingly, treating possible trans children with a puberty blocker has come into its own to prolong a child's, well, childhood. Some parents are opting to do this with their possibly trans children. I've done a little bit of research on this because I find it very fascinating, and I'm not sure if I'm understanding all about puberty blockers correctly. If I'm not, please... Educate me. I need to know more about this. But from what I understand, puberty blockers are given to possible trans kids around the ages of 10 or 11. The blockers come in either the form of injections 
or an implant. They're given to potential trans kids to keep them from getting their secondary sex characteristics too early. This is supposed to give the child more time to figure out who they truly are. Personally, what I don't like about this is giving a child any injection or implant or even medication unless it's 100% necessary. Let's not pollute young growing bodies. Not until we understand the repercussions of what's going to happen. Safe vaccinations, yes. I don't believe enough tests have been ran on what the prolonged side effects of these puberty blockers can do to a child. There's been some scientific research that shows these blockers can mineralize bones, or they could sterilize a child from ever being able to procreate someday. And that's disturbing to me. I'm not against the blockers being used, as long as it's on a case-to-case circumstance, and the parents of the children are 100% informed on the possible side effects. The parents need to fully understand what these blockers are doing to their child's body. What they're doing is they're creating a disease called hypogonadotropic hypogonadism. And this is a couple of fancy words for saying the blockers are disrupting a body's endocrine system. And for me, I just don't feel like we know enough about the long-term effects to give these to children yet. In an ideal world, I would propose a new approach. I'd like it a lot better for our kids. If we could just let them be, give these kids time to figure out who the fuck they are without others breathing down their neck, without the government trying to take these kids from their families. These kind of laws are starting in Texas. But who knows which states will try to follow suit. And in Texas, this anti-trans thinking has gotten so bad for these trans kids and their parents. The parents don't even want to send their kids to school because schools are being asked to out the trans kids. Governor Abbott of Texas has issued a directive to any licensed professional including teachers as mandated reporters of abuse to report trans kids for being abused because in his mind any parent who approaches their possible trans kids with an affirmative action is abusing their child this makes governor abbot no better than a schoolyard bully he's not educated himself on the psychology of trans people He's not bothered to look into what gender dysphoria is. He really needs to worry about the things that actually affect him and the good people of Texas. Homelessness, mental health issues, snakes and scorpions. Governor Greg Abbott is a lesion festering in that state. He's continuing to wage the war that Republicans started against trans people. These far right-winged Republicans need to remove their noses from other people's crotches. They're already too far up women's hoochies with their fucking anti-abortion bullshit. 
They just need to get out of our damn pants and look at what we're facing in the world today. We have a broken justice system, broken law enforcement. Let's fix shit like that before terrorizing families that are trying to allow their children to be themselves and live their truths in this hateful world we already live in. So there's this mom in Texas that works for the Department of Family and Children's Services. These are the people that are supposed to investigate families with trans kids. This mom was put on leave from her job and her department started to investigate her and her home for child abuse. The mom has a 16-year-old trans daughter. Now the state of Texas is being sued by the mom because Governor Abbott is crossing boundaries. He has no business crossing. The lawsuit is being spearheaded by the Texas ACLU, American Civil Liberties Union. And oh, I hope they win. Houston has an eight-year-old trans girl named Sunny Bryant. She's been taking on Governor Abbott and his followers regarding the anti-trans agenda they have. She is a brave little darling and has such a spunky, upbeat attitude. She's attended a House of Representatives meeting virtually. And she's been to Austin a couple of times with her mom to address lawmakers about these ridiculous anti-trans laws they're creating or trying to create. This all makes me think if a third grade trans girl can stand up to bullies, so can we, Rainbow Warriors. If you're in Texas, I beg of you to reach out to your legislators. Send them links to information regarding what gender dysphoria is, information about trans children, even information on what happens when you remove loving, caring parents from the life of a child. When government-appointed officials start mixing their religious ideals in with government policy, enough is enough. Maybe even look into recalling this governor if you can, Texas. If that sounds too hard, here's something that is much easier. Vote for a different candidate this coming November. Don't let Abbott serve your beautiful state any longer, because he is truly not serving you well. He is militantly telling you how to raise your children, and that your body is not your own, but his. His to make rules that serve him and his political party. I have high hopes for Texas. This right-winged hate bullshit, it can be overcome. And you can make Texas as wonderful a state as I believe it is. Instead of leaving, kick the turds out. They are the bullies and they have no business making rules over your body or that of your family. Texas is your home. Don't let narrow-minded cavemen take over your home. And most importantly, my Texas friends, all my Rainbow Warrior friends, find and create the community you want to live in. Don't be bullied by lawmakers. 
keeping in the trans theme that I've started with and ran it about the whole first part of this episode, I have a case that took place just several weeks ago in Lubbock, Texas. And surprise! Lubbock, Texas police are saying one of their latest crimes involving a trans woman is not a hate crime. 21-year-old Latina trans woman Cypress Ramos was found deceased the morning of February 12, 2022. Where, you ask? In a Lubbock, Texas locked storage unit. But this is not a hate crime. Okay. Cypress's body was only discovered because a fire broke out at a storage place and a neighbor to the unit called 911 and reported it. Around 11.30 a.m. is when firefighters came to battle the blazing flames. This would have been on the 2700 block of North Frankfurt Avenue. Three days after Cypress's body was found, Cypress's mother had asked a friend of hers to drive her to where her daughter's body had been located. On their way back home around 1 a.m. in the morning, a vehicle pulled in front of the car Cypress's mom rode in. It slammed on its brakes, causing the car Cypress's mom was in to brake also. The two vehicles were on the highway and they both gathered up speed again. Then the other car came up alongside Cypress's mom. She was in the front passenger seat. An unknown person in the other car pointed a pistol out of the car window and fired at Cypress's mom. Thankfully, the shooter missed, and Cypress's mom and her friend were able to pull safely off the highway, and they pulled into a restaurant parking lot to call police. Maybe the Lubbock police feel this wasn't a transphobic hate crime because of the attack on Cypress's mom. Maybe they think it's some kind of vendetta against Cypress's family. I don't know. I seriously think they need to revisit the notion of Cypress's murder being a hate crime. The medical examiner said that Cypress had died from the impact of a hard object into her head. Lubbock police arrested the man who leased the storage unit, 32-year-old Alan Montemayor. From pictures, Alan is kind of a chunky, hillbilly-looking dude. He may even live in the basement of his grandma's house. But Alan denied being at the storage facility when the fire occurred. That is, until police showed him they had a surveillance video of the time in question. That's when Alan's story changed, because Alan couldn't deny he was the doofus on camera. The footage shows Alan and another person pulling up to his storage unit in a pickup truck. Both Alan and the other person, presumed to be Cypress, got out of the truck, shut their doors, and walked into the storage unit. About an hour and a half later, only Alan is seen leaving. He padlocks the unit behind him, gets into his truck, and he leaves. When police ask him what happened, Alan shrugs his shoulder and says, Isn't it apparent? Apparent? If you want me to tell you what's apparent, Alan, I'd say you spent an hour and a half with a beautiful young trans woman. In that time, who knows what you did sexually with her or to her. And then you bashed her head in and lit the storage unit on fire. 
Is that what's apparent? He's not the brightest criminal, is he? As police collected Alan's clothing and swabbed some blood that was on his leg, Alan told the police during the time in the storage unit, he went to go use the bathroom. And when he came out, Cypress had started a fire and then she attacked him with a baseball bat. So all he did was defend himself and he accidentally killed her while he was doing so. Alan, just nope, shut your hole. That's not what happened. Alan is being held on half a million dollar bail bond. What friends have said of Cyprus, they said she was just so sweet. She was kind and she was good to just about everyone she knew. She smiled a lot and they're going to miss that smile. One of her friends made mention that Cyprus was little, thin and not physically strong and that there would be no way Cyprus could have hit that guy in the storage unit with a bat or anything else. Another friend confirmed Cyprus was, yes, very tiny, and they felt like they could wrap their arms around her three times. They also said Cyprus wasn't about getting into other people's business. She liked to live drama-free. Cyprus was well-known in the Lebec LGBTQ plus community there. I will continue to monitor this case and try to keep you all in the loop of what's happening. Rest in power, Cyprus. Our true crime quickie this episode is also from Texas. <laughs> Sorry, Texas. In all honesty, I picked it because it was similar to Cyprus's case. In January 2016, North Austin, Texas, a 43-year-old trans woman named Monica Loera was murdered. Her killer claimed self-defense. Her killer was 30-year-old John Casey Rowell. John Casey was working in Georgetown on a pipeline while his family, his wife and infant, lived in Childress, Texas. John Casey and Monica had met from an ad on the now-defunct back page. The two arranged to have a sexual transaction together. They talked on the phone and agreed on a price. At that time, a location was also decided upon. John Casey would go to Monica's home for the transaction to take place. When he got there, John Casey said Monica gave him a blowjob, but she refused to have intercourse with him until he could produce a condom. Good on her, I say. John Casey said he left Monica's place to go to the store and get some condoms. But when he got to his truck, he realized he left his jacket with his keys in his wallet in Monica's room. So he returned to her apartment and knocked on her door. Monica greeted him at the door with his jacket. He put his jacket on and when he got to his truck again, he found his keys, but his wallet was missing. John Casey told the police that he no longer felt safe around Monica, so he took a gun from his truck. I believe it was a pistol, and he took it back to her apartment. Once again, he knocked. Monica, from inside her apartment behind a closed door, told him if he didn't leave, she would beat him and his truck with a baseball bat. How did she know he drove a truck? According to John Casey, Monica opened the door aggressively and lunged at him with the bat. He then removed his gun and shot at Monica from two or three feet away, hitting her in the neck. 
and then he ran to his truck and fled. He said he didn't even realize he hit her until he read an article about her death the next morning. He also said later he found his wallet in a pocket he didn't know was in his jacket. And by the way, a baseball bat was never found at Monica's place. After shooting Monica, John Casey got scared. So he went to his family home in Childress. Two days after killing Monica, John Casey was no longer scared. But he was once again on back page. He was looking for another trans woman sex worker in Austin. Four days after killing Monica, John Casey returned to Austin to meet up with a trans woman he met on Backpage. And that's when he was arrested. It's a good thing, too, because he might have been a trans serial killer. John Casey's internet search history showed that he was also looking to see how to get away with murder. He was found guilty by a jury and sentenced to 20 years for the murder of Monica Loera. He did try to appeal his sentence, but he lost. Rest in power, Monica. Love you, Rainbow Warriors. Live your truth, but only if it's safe to do so. And remember, it's not a crime to be LGBTQ+, unless you're a murderer. Fuck you, Governor Greg Abbott. Wake up and worry about more important things that should concern you, like global warming and pandemics. Fuck Tard. <laughs>